Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old School Grit, New World Ideas, Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Don't bet against progress. That's the lesson of today's stock market action, where the growth names came roaring back, now gaining 368 points, S&P jumping 2.2%, and the NASDAQ, where progress is their most important product, surged 3.85%. Okay, I know what you're thinking. How the heck can this guy come out here to talk about stocks when it feels like the whole republic hinges on, it hinges on what, a couple of thousand ballots in the uh, Rust Belt? Well, excuse me. We are having one of the greatest rallies I have ever seen, despite all the worries, the woes about the market tanking if election night was indecisive. Can you imagine how wrong? Indecisive. What's driving this move, this remarkable move? This election was one of the biggest head fakes in history. Like it or not, the people have spoken. They want divided government. Whether Biden or Trump ends up on top, it's looking like Biden right now. The Democrats will have the House and the Republicans will likely have the Senate, which means at least two years of boring, do-nothing government. (laughs) Sometimes sounds are worth like a thousand words or whatever. In other words, even with the pandemic, even with the high unemployment, even with, of course, just a kind of anger, seething anger, Americans seem pretty satisfied with the status quo. They don't want upheaval. And they certainly don't want higher taxes, something that would have been on the agenda if the so-called blue wave had washed over Washington. And that is a big deal. I know that based on the polling, I was worried about what might happen to stocks with a blue wave. Remember, to stocks. Sure, the stock market did surprisingly well under President Obama. But this year, the Democrats were talking about raising corporate and capital gains taxes. And that would have hurt a lot of people's portfolios. These Democrats were much further to the left than the last time around. Now, though, increasingly looks like Biden's going to win, but he'll have to govern with the Republican Senate. 
So what does that mean for your money? What does it mean for the stock market? First, forget about a massive blue wave stimulus package. Money managers have been dumping growth stocks and swapping into more cyclical value names, betting on a massive federal spending project come January. I told you that was a mugs game. Sure enough, we're now seeing a gigantic, maybe the largest I've ever seen, rotation back out of value and into growth in tech. Because the blue wave stimulus cavalry, it ain't coming. The banks, the oils, the industrials, they all got crushed today. Look at Caterpillar. Well, that was a darling for a couple of days. Down 12 bucks. Meanwhile, the terrific growth stocks, one I always talk about, both the drugs and tech, the ones that I said you got to buy, 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 all rocketed higher. The action last week, it was a total head fake. And I'm going to give you more on that later in the show. Now, Amazon reporters, a massive upside surprise last week. Let's just let's just go back over this massive. I came out here and said it. I said, wow, those numbers are great. And what happened even when I was talking, it was being hammered. Today, it got its groove back up one hundred hundred ninety two dollars, six percent erasing that whole loss. Sadly, COVID is here to stay, and Amazon's the biggest winner from the pandemic, especially now that they've spent $4 billion on safety and supply chain security. Microsoft, when it came out, I was in awe. It delivered an extraordinary set of numbers, numbers that during that heinous week for stocks meant nothing. Oh, my, the Azure cloud division was so beautiful. LinkedIn, gorgeous gaming, regular old Windows, I love you. Yet the stock, it was obliterated. That sell-off was as insane as it was inane. Honestly, that may have been Microsoft's best, most balanced quarter ever. Certainly the best we've seen in many years. You know what? I found myself I found myself shadow boxing with the bears. But Jimmy Chill got mauled on Twitter for defending Mr. Softy. Can you imagine? Thanks to today's growth rally, it's rolled back. That whole decline and then some. Chill was still then. Now Chill's looking. Looking for who looking for who mortified me. I have a particular set of skills that's a nightmare for people like that. When Facebook reported, I thought I was losing my mind. I saw the strength in Instagram shops, other small business initiative, along with great growth for WhatsApp, decent numbers from the core Facebook biz, great monthly average users, the lucky thousand quarter, my travel trust had a big position in Facebook, and after seeing those numbers, I wanted to hug Mark Zuckerberg. Talk about chill. But the stock got pummeled with everything else. And I heard a talk of a negative forecast, even though it wasn't negative. I mean, I just read it. I was like, oh, it's negative. Uh, not to mention some margin pressure. There was no margin pressure. I poured over everything. These naysayers were absolutely clueless, but it doesn't matter. They were in charge. It was a picture-perfect quarter, something now the market has acknowledged when Facebook soared $22 today. AMD. Remember? I was so ecstatic. I thought I was going to dance. Numbers were so perfect. I didn't think the big uh, takeover bid for Xilinx would really hurt the share price. Instead, people abandoned AMD like rats from a sinking ship. AMD jumped nearly 5 bucks today, 6% gain, erasing the whole decline. I suspect more gains are ahead. Oh, but maybe the worst of the head fakes was, was Apple. Okay, so, you know, Apple, hey, I don't know if you know that, but I, I, I liked, I've liked Apple uh, since, like, since $5. Now, I was on the phone with CEO Tim Cook as he released the numbers. Oh, I was blown away. I was blown away that he could deliver such a terrific quarter without a new phone. I told him so myself. Hey, this looks great. The strength of the service revenue stream and the wearables, remarkable. Ten minutes later, I felt like a total bozo as the stock just collapsed. Collapsed right in front of me. For no reason. No reason anyone could explain. They made up a lot of good reasons. 
Now, though, Apple's back. It's up more than four bucks. You know what? I think Apple's got more room to run. Why? Well, remember, Skyworks, a major component supplier, just reported a fantastic number and intimated that a large client, can't say Apple's name, it's like first rule of Fight Club, was buying a huge number of parts for their 5G phones. Plus, just now, Qualcomm reported an amazing quarter. That was like 25 bucks. Hey, guess who Apple supplies to? Right. Next stop, maybe all-time high. So what, what, what do these things tell you? Spent a lot of time perusing the idea of what they tell you. I think they speak to the power of the micro over the macro. Or in plain English, the people who told you to switch into the banks and the industrials and the oils because of the economy, well, here they were dead wrong. If you listen to them, you know what you did? You sold some of the greatest stocks into one of the greatest rallies. Even after this magnificent move from the NASDAQ, I think tech's got more, more upside. I really do. And let me give you some reasons. First off, you know, I used to write obituaries for the Tallahassee Democrat, the L.A. Herald Examiner. Every bit of the commentary I heard last week about these growth stocks and their cloud acolytes were finished. You know what? It's just like the subjects of my obituaries. A blue wave was going to sweep Congress. A more liberal Congress would forcibly break up and regulate big tech, hobbling them worse. Wor- worse than Kathy Bates breaking James Kahn's ankles in that fabulous scene of misery. We were supposed to get endless antitrust hearings about those companies. They were too powerful. Show trials, star chambers, darkness at noon. Oh, that's off the table. Now, there may be some poorly attended hearings, and, but, the, but the only thing they'll produce is some mean rhetoric. Right now, big tech is ascendant. After Silicon Valley's huge victory with Proposition 22 in California, the one that allows Uber and Lyft to keep operating unimpeded by the state legislature. Yes, the gig economy triumphs. Second, I think we will get some sort of stimulus bill, but it won't be big enough to offset all the job losses that are coming in the hospitality industry with COVID cases back to hitting new highs. Now, that is unfortunate. In real life, it's unfortunate, but it is great for the growth stocks I'm talking about because it makes the beaten down cyclicals even less attractive as they won't be aided by a generous federal spending package that would cause the economy to accelerate. Big tech doesn't want a red hot economy. It wants an okay economy where companies are hired to digitize to stay competitive. On the other hand, a Biden administration, you'll be less draconian on immigration. Now, I know that's going to be very unpopular. Some people do this, but that's what's going to happen. Uh, you know what happens when you have a lot of immigration? It's great for housing. I predict one more surge for the home builder, especially since mortgage rates are still low. Third, the drug stocks and health insurers have nothing to fear from a Biden White House and a divided Congress. In fact, it, I wouldn't be surprised if United Health, Humana, and Cigna end up getting showered in Obamacare subsidies. More on that later, too. And by the way, those are still the stocks to buy, still stocks to buy, even after their gains today. Now, again, we don't know for sure who will win this thing. It hasn't even been called, even if it's looking good for Biden at the moment. However, I think the electorate has spoken. And whatever way this thing goes, there will be a peaceful transfer of power. Hey, that means no lunacy, no White House bunker with a huddled, harried, American-style hunter that refuses the verdict. No fighting in the war room. There are plenty of challenges coming, but they'll be settled in court, not the streets. That alone is enough to keep propelling this market higher. Bottom line. Finally, we can stop fretting about politics and start focusing on business and your money again. Because a divided Congress and a blue White House, well, that's called nirvana for growth stocks. As for value stocks, sometimes they're value traps. Other than the automakers, yeah, I'm actually giving them the high sign. Can you imagine the automakers? I say avoid the beaten down cyclicals. This is not the market for them. It's the market for you.
Why don't we start the questions, I say, by going to Darlene in Ohio. Darlene. Hello, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. First time, first time caller, long time viewer of Mad Money. First time, long time. I'm calling, I'm calling about Eaton Corporation. I'll be needing some money in about six months or so, and do you think I should sell it now? No, no, Eaton has re- reinvented itself now. It got caught up in the, in the downdraft that was the cyclical downturn, but what a picture-perfect quarter. They're doing so many things right. They've got lots of different ways to make money that are not the old Eaton metal bender. I don't want you to sell Eaton. As a matter of fact, when this cyclical hangover finishes, I'm going to be talking a lot more about Eaton. I like what they've done. That management's got horses. Right, it's back to basics and it's back to business. We can stop fretting about politics soon. Just hang on. Like, That's so great. Anyway, on Mad Money Tonight, Akamai, they power the internet. So what did uh, the company see in terms of demand during last night's election where we all kind of streamed it? I'm going to talk to the CEO. Then why this year's election illustrates why the healthcare sector should be on your radar. Cannabis legislation was on five state ballots yesterday and ran the table. I'm going to talk with the CEO of Canopy Growth about what it means for the sector. I'm also wishing Melissa Lee a happy birthday. And may I say, stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise dedicated to shaping brighter futures for our students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and our proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. Nearly every tech company that reported last week got crushed, even if the numbers were good. Now, though, they're starting to roar back to life. Tech Akamai Technologies, the world's largest cloud-based content delivery network, the fast lane on the Internet superhighway. The company reported on Tuesday night, and the stock plunged nearly 9% just the next day. So when I got a call from Kevin in Indiana a couple days later, I, really, I said Akamai had missed the quarter. I'm more reacting to the chatter. In reality, it's more complicated than that. Akamai, Akamai actually beat expectations, even if the quarter wasn't perfect. I should have been a little more skeptical of the action because of all things tech got crushed last week and it made a lot of companies look like they were doing poorly. With yesterday's incredible amount of streaming traffic, Akamai's stock and trade, I thought it might be a good idea to check in with the company, learn more about election, the security of keeping an election (laughs) safe.
mean and get a better sense of why the analysts were so perturbed by the quarter. So let's take a closer look at Dr. Tom Lee. He's the co-founder and CEO of Akamai. Dr. Layton, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to be here. Thank you. Okay, so Tom, I, I uh, like many people, watched the uh, returns after I got home on two PCs. Why? Well, why not? I mean, the PCs are fabulous. The reflect- color's good. And it seems every bit is fast. Was I uh, one of many people who have shifted the way they watch? Yeah, you were not alone. Uh, traffic was very high on the news sites. At, uh, last night, around midnight, we saw a peak of about 18 trillion bits per second of uh, traffic for the news sites. And that's about uh, five times uh, normal. Uh, you know, for a regular day on news. And it was more than double what we saw in the 2016 election, which at the time set a record uh, for news. So big night, a lot of people watching on the news sites on the Internet. Now, how much of that is uh, behavioral, meaning that people have cut court because it's too expensive and therefore may never go back? Yeah, well, you know, it actually is uh, nicer to watch it online because you can go get what you want. Uh, you know, any details you're interested in, a particular race, uh, you know, the apps are very sophisticated now and you can get updates uh, even faster. So I think it can be a better way to consume it. And uh, in my case, I had the TV on and uh, the app. All right. So what happens with 5G? Would I just say TV seems slow? Well, yeah, you'll have even more. It'll be much better streaming quality, much higher throughput and uh, lower latencies. So it'll be a better, even better experience and more online. We are very worried, of course, about election insecurity. Obviously, there's uh, a lot of when you see all the hand counted ballots, but it is the year of covid. It does seem like that if someone wanted to kind of break into the system, somebody better be there watching out for us. Was Akamai watching against attacks last night? Oh, absolutely. And we do that for most all the major news sites. And uh, I would say, you know, we call it sort of a last night was sort of a quiet night, but that's uh, the wrong term to use. It was normal. Uh, which uh, means there were a lot of attacks going on, and uh, news sites were among them. In fact, uh, you know, the one of the best financial news networks over the last 24 hours, we stopped 100 million uh, malicious uh, attempts to uh, get into the site, and that was big for them. Uh, but overall, I'd say it was a normal night, which means a lot of attacks going on. Okay, when I hear that, and I'm not sure who, well, 100 million, guys got a lot of time on their hands. Uh, when I hear that, I question when I, what I read right after your quarter was, for instance, Morgan Stanley wrote uh, results past the peak. And that was a piece that influenced my thinking because a very smart fellow wrote it, Keith Weiss. Uh, Key Bank wrote uh, earnings per share beat, but of lower quality uh, and, and basically talked about growth decelerating. When I hear what you just said, I, I'm hard pressed to think that growth decelerates, frankly. Yeah, no, we had a great quarter. You know, we delivered 12 percent growth on the top line much better than the street estimate, and 19% growth earnings per share, uh, well above street estimates of 12%. And, of course, a lot of that is uh, growth in our security business, which is very uh, profitable, you know, grew 23% in constant currency, uh, well over a billion dollars now in annual run rate, and uh, doing very well. In addition, we took up our estimates for the full year. So Akamai is doing very well. Historically, Democrats uh, want equality in elementary school, middle school, and the best way to get equality is to have everybody have equal fast lines. Do you, do you see, if Biden becomes president, that Akamai could be called in to be able to equalize our country? Well, we certainly want to help, and we do have a digital divide in this country, and that is an even bigger problem 
when we're relying on the internet for education because a lot of kids right. can't be in school right now and that's an issue and uh, that is an area where we can help and of course we need the carriers also the investment to be made to make sure every child and home in america has uh, good connectivity the divide's real isn't it sir yes it is and it right now is anyone doing anything about it there's more work to be done that's for sure Okay. One, one last thing. Uh, when people talk about uh, that, all the traffic that you're getting, are you making less money on the traffic? Is that why some of these analysts might be uh, more hesitant to recommend? I mean, or is it a good gross margins anyway? No, it's great gross margins. Uh, you know, in fact, our operating margin was 32% last quarter and uh, absolutely, you know, very profitable business. And sometimes maybe you get confused with some of our competitors who are not profitable and much smaller. Uh, but at Akamai, when, when we add this business, it is very profitable. Well, look, I'm so glad you came on. Uh, I don't ever want to jump to conclusions. I am so glad I got to speak to you. I think that the analysts who are negative were caught up in the negativity of a very strange week. Dr. Tom Layton, Akamai CEO, great to see you, sir. Good to see you, too. Thank you. Yep. Remember the shroud, the gloom that covered everything that reported last week. I think it washed over Akamai, too. Their money's back after the break. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Every four years, we see the same pattern. Once before a presidential election, the healthcare stocks, they start getting blasted. Democrats and Republicans love to trash talk high drug prices when they're campaigning. It's an easy way to score points. Everybody hates the drug companies because they routinely raise prices. And even though they've done a lot of work fighting COVID-19, I'm proud of them. Well, it really hasn't borne fruit yet. So, well, it hasn't bought them a lot of goodwill. In election years where it looks like the Democrats will have a blowout victory, and that's what most of the polls said this time around, tons of hedge funds will bet heavily against health care. Sell, sell, sell. The narrative of this time was pretty darn clear. The people are unhappy with Trump. Biden's got a 10-point lead. The Democrats are going to take the Senate in a landslide. Once we started hearing about a landslide, investors worried that Biden was a stalking horse for the far left, meaning socialized medicine would be on the agenda. Now, I told you that was nonsense. Even when the Democrats had a supermajority under Obama, their landmark health care bill was a huge giveaway to the insurance companies and to big pharma. Not to you. Doesn't matter. That, it doesn't matter that the single payer was never really on the agenda. 
The healthcare stocks got crushed anyway. The hedge funds bet against the health insurers. They bet against the drug stocks. They bet against the biotechs. Anything having to do with healthcare. Plus, those same polls had people thinking that we'd have a huge Democratic stimulus bill, something that would give the economy a major boost, but make the healthcare cohort less attractive. You know those rotations I talk about? Because these are the kind of slow and steady stocks that Wall Street dumps when the economy's roaring. So just like every four years, money managers sold all the things, health care, going to the election. I told you to buy them in a weakness. It wasn't like I was a genius. I'd just seen the movie before. I've watched it so many times, I'm really tired of it. I'm going to cut the cord. Sure enough, the money managers who bet against health care were as wrong as the pollsters. Even if Biden ends up eking out a narrow win, it's looking like we'll have a Republican Senate. That means the health care status quo is here to stay, unless the Supreme Court decides to overturn Obamacare. Laissez-faire medicine is a lot more likely than socialized medicine. After last night, the market realized what I've been saying all along. This whole industry's gone. It's going to be fine. Healthcare was the strongest segment in the market today, even stronger than tech. The managed care plays caught fire. United Health Group jumping 10%. That's the Dow stock. Signed to voting nearly 15% because it's crystal clear that nobody's coming after your insurance. I think that was never on the table, at least not since Biden beat Bernie Sanders in the primaries. But last night's results removed any of that doubt. I think all the analysts, by the way, are going to come out tomorrow and going to raise numbers and say great things, because that's what they know to do. They come out of their foxholes and they say good things. Meanwhile, Congress won't do squat about drug, drug prices. So all the pharmaceutical stocks soared. Then we got something even more surprising than the election results. An FDA panel ruled that Biogen's Alzheimer's drug is actually effective. The industry has spent decades trying to beat Alzheimer's, and they fail every single time. Looks like Biogen broke the curse, which is why the stock exploded higher, up 44%. By the way, it wasn't a short squeeze. There wasn't a big short position there. So what happens next? We get a whole year's worth of performance in one day as the healthcare cohort regains its luster. I think they've got more upside, and more important, I hope you listened to me when I told you to buy them going into the election, because it's one of the most reliable trades in the business. I don't think we're done, because we've got to have the analysts come out and say, hey, you know what? Maybe this industry's doing better than we thought. Let's go to Alexander in Florida, please. Alexander. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? I am doing um, well, Alexander. I, How about you? You put me into CAT about 10 years ago. It's been a real moneymaker for me. And I'd uh, like to know, how, after today's debacle, what do you think? All right, so let me give you the two sides of CAT. Today was the day which said that stimulus isn't going to come. But there's another side of CAT. And that's the excellent business they're going to do with China if President if, if Biden becomes president. Why? Because he, Biden is more of a consensus maker. He's not going to take action individually against China. That's going to give the Chinese an opportunity to buy Caterpillar equipment in order to show good faith with a new Biden administration. So tomorrow goes down again. Some, clown, some person will downgrade it. And then you'll get a chance to buy more if you want or just ride it out. Don't sell the stock. Management's real good. Will in Louisiana. Will. Hey, Craig. I had a question about Palantir Technologies. Sure. Okay, so co-founder Peter Steele in 2016, uh, known for being a big donor pres- uh, to President Trump, um, although most of their recurring revenue from federal contracts is awarded under Obama's administration. Just wondering how you think the market might react, depending on his elected president. Well, if, if they're going to sell it, you have to buy it, because this is a, uh, look, this is one of those intractable problems. It doesn't matter who's president. You need the kind of security and the kind of intelligence that these guys have. So I, I, I think, look, I'm not recommending Palantir. I got other things. I like Palo Alto Networks, for instance, better than that. I, I like uh, CrowdStrike. I think there's a whole bunch of them that I like better than that one. But it's a $10 stock that has found a lot of popularity. All right, guys, you know how you have to say trust the process if you're from Philadelphia? Trust the pattern. 
Healthcare is always worth having exposure to. We love diversified portfolios around here. Hey, by the way, there's much more made money here. One in three Americans now have access to legal weed. So why is a stock like Canopy Growth stumbling today? I'm talking with the CEO. Then we may not know who won the White House yet, but we do know how the big ballot initiatives played out. I'm going to tell you how to play them. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Like I mentioned earlier, last night, four states voted to legalize recreational marijuana, with the fifth, Mississippi, legalizing medicinal marijuana. When you let the people choose, they choose weed. However, the big Canadian growers were all hoping for a blue wave election that might legalize weed nationwide. That didn't happen. And their stocks got hammered today, including best of breed canopy growth, down 7%. Still, this was a big night for the industry, so let's take a check-in with David Klein, the CEO of Canopy Growth Corporation, to get a better sense of the cannabis landscape. Mr. Klein, welcome back to Mad Money. Yeah, hi, Jim. Good to be here. Okay, so David, I, what is better for uh, your industry? A president, ultimately, like Biden, who shares the idea, or at least her, his vice president, that, that things should be legalized nationwide, or a lot of big states voting in favor of having, of having legal weed? Well, I think you're you're on the right point, because what we saw yesterday was momentum, because um, what we really need is to flip the Senate over to being pro cannabis uh, at some point in time. And as you continue to win states, especially like some of the states yesterday, which are traditionally conservative states, they'll ultimately bring their their senator along along with them. And when we think that uh, that momentum will carry us to federal permissibility in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, I thought the same thing, South Dakota, Montana, Arizona. I mean, I don't necessarily think of these states as states that would say, hey, you know what, let's add some potheads in here. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, look, I think even a state like New Jersey has ramifications beyond just New Jersey, because if you're sitting in the state house in, in New York, say, or in Pennsylvania, you're not going to want your 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 residents going over to New Jersey and putting um, dollars into the tax coffers of New Jersey or creating jobs in New Jersey. Right. So so the more states that that pass uh, some form of permissibility, I think it just really just builds on that momentum, which will ultimately result in full up federal permissibility. All right. So right now that my kids drink this uh, truly and they drink this white claw. I mean, I don't know. I'd rather drink castor oil so bad. But behind you are some drinks that I want very badly. I want drinks that taste great, that have no filling, right? And could also give you a little bit of a buzz. And there's nothing wrong with saying that because that's what beer does. And I see all their ads over, when I watch a football game. Will it be possible that I could go to a so-called package store in New Jersey and buy some of those cans behind you? Yeah, look, it's going to be a question of when because we've announced recently that uh, our partner in the U.S. Acreage will be bringing um, our THC drinks to the U.S. next summer. Um, at first, however, uh, you know, we'll be going through the dispensary that each state has its own regulations. And so they'll be available in dispensaries. I think it'll be a little bit longer before they're available in a, um, in a normal, uh, you know, in a, like say like a convenience retailer or a place like that. You know, that said, we're already trying to build out distribution as evidenced by the, uh, the deal we did with uh, our BioSteel sports nutrition brand 
using the beer network that Constellation Brands utilizes in the U.S. We want to position ourselves for that eventuality, Jim, where where the, the products are, are, are widely available in literally anywhere you can buy a beer. Well, David, when I knew you at Constellation, I, I, look, you did a fabulous job at Constellation. And you moved over to this thing. I think you had to get this thing a little bit under control because it's not your style to just spend endlessly and not have anything to show for it. That's the opposite of how you are. But I, I did find a little bit uh, disconcerting was it used to – a, a, a total adjustable, total adjustable market number that is not nearly as big as I thought. Am I? Am, did I think too big about this industry a couple of years ago? No way. I actually think, Jim, that you, you know we we put out a total addressable market number of about seventy billion dollars. That's based upon current users because oh. it's hard to estimate uh, the people that we might bring over from, say, the beer category. So the beer category in the United States is about one hundred and ten billion dollars. There's no doubt in my mind we can bring over some. Uh, some some portion of those uh, consumers into our category. Then you layer in uh, people that spend a lot of money on pain management or an, on anxiety reduction or on sleep aids. Cannabis has been used for this sort of thing for centuries, actually, and, and those numbers aren't really in our, our TAM uh, assessment, but you know, to me, that's also why I'm really excited about edibles and drinks because we're going to bring those consumers into this category through uh, things like drinks and edibles because we're not going to have people, I don't think, enter the category by inhaling. All right. Now, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't think the vaping ways to go. I think that the it always seems silly to talk about edibles, but there's a lot of states here where that are legal and it's not such a crass thing to talk about. But I mean, do you have uh, product lines? I know you're, you're a consumer product. You know, you're a CPG guy. Well, I see nice candy boxes. Well, I see a Godiva like situation. I mean, I don't see why not. Why not yeah, have it absolutely. be out of the closet, right? Yeah, you absolutely will. I think, you know, if you look at our Martha Stewart CBD offering, I think mm-hmm. you start to get a sense for what we're going to bring to the market. Working with Martha, we created CBD gummies that, um, that use our science, which I think is best in class. So there's a, the, the effect is bang on, uh, along with uh, Martha's touch in terms of flavoring. And we're getting rave reviews uh, on that product. That's the kind of thing you're going to see uh, as we move forward in, in this edible space. Well, that's why I've been sticking with you the whole time. I mean, I know that we've got uh, I think that President Biden is going to make it. So, you know what? We got to get some revenues in. It's an easy way to get revenues out of an illicit uh, market and to something legal. And I want to congratulate you on everything you've done to turn around the company since you got there. It's an investable situation. Thank you to David Klein, CEO of Canopy Growth. Great to see you, sir. Yeah, same here, Jim. Okay. Man Money's back after the break. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, come for the lightning round. I'm going to start with Sid in New Jersey. Sid! Hello, Jim. Sid. Good to you, sir. Um, Sid here from New York City. What a pleasure to meet you. Hey. So here's what I've been wondering, Jim. Of course, I'm not touching it tonight, but here's what I've been wondering, whether to even bother with boom energy. I was really excited at first, but it's been uh, very crazy. I mean, totally crazy. Three times, I, you okay. know, it took my money with it, and I missed all the rally. I'm right. beginning to wonder whether I should even have faith in the stock. In the stock? The stock is. 
Sid did not say the stock. Uh, sorry? What's uh, the, Bloom Energy. I've... What's the stock, Sid? Bloom Energy? Holy cow, Bloom Energy? Way too speculative for me. If you're doing power management, I'll do Generac on the power side. I'll do Eaton on the management side. Not Bloom. Too dicey. How about Dorothy in California? Dorothy! Oh. oh, hi, Jim. I'm so happy that you're taking my call. I love your energy. I love your show. I come from a home of winners. I'm in Southern California with the Lakers and the Dodgers. Now I want to know if I have a winner. I'm choosing Magnite stock because they're for streamers instead yeah, of cable users. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's just a pure spec. I've got to tell you something. You can go to these outfits now and you get a fraction of a share. I am urging you, rather than go that way, buy a fraction of a share in Alphabet, which is Google. They are crushing it. They are like the Lakers, okay? They are. They even have a guy who's Google, Google Cloud who's like LeBron. I'm not kidding. That's what they call him. Let's go to Diane in New York. Diane. Booyah. Booyah, Diane. Hey, Talking about Diane. Come on. Jim, I admire your energy for life. Thank you for your example. Thank you. I bought Oracle at $60 a month ago. It's gone up and down. Should I buy or should I sell based on this political climate? Um, Look, I think Oracle's fine. Uh, I prefer Salesforce. Uh, Why? Because it's got much faster growth, and I think it is doing better. Oracle might get this TikTok. No! Oracle might get this TikTok property, property, but... But you go into Salesforce, if you ever see those pictures at the bottom hand, right hand of the, of the Wall Street Journal, it's got Oracle's business and then the other guy's business. It goes like this. It's really interesting. So I would go. I don't, I'm thinner than this. I would go with this. Okay. Why don't we go to Bill in Pennsylvania? Bill. Hey. Oh, what's up? Hey, Marion. Am I going to see myself on TV or what? Yeah, you're on. Well, you don't really see yourself. You see more like Bill in Pennsylvania underneath me. Go ahead. What's that? Yeah, he's... Oh, now he's talking to me. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing some talking. Yeah, I'm a... Once here, you yeah, stop I'm there, on. you're on with me. Okay. You're on with Jim. Hey, I'm a Cremarian. I'm Bill in Pennsylvania. I have a... Oh. What's the matter? I'm, the, I'm going... I'm Bill in Pennsylvania. Okay. I'm a Cremarian. I have a question about AT&T. I'm concerned about ATT's balance sheet, but they're doing things to alleviate the pressure on it. So therefore, I'm actually willing to say, you know what? Let's give it one more quarter, and then we can buy. I need to see one more quarter to see what that balance sheet looks like. That's the problem, is the balance sheet. Not the business, but the balance sheet. Can I go to Cam in New Hampshire? Hey, Jim. Hey, Cam. Hey, Jim. Love your show. Thank you. Uh, want, to, want to know about SRRK Scholar Rock Holding? It ran. They just did a big secondary, and I'm not familiar with how it's doing and did, am not up on it enough, so I am going to have to take a pass and do more work. That way I'm not cuffing it. I'm trying to figure it out. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. something that I think too many people overlook today. For instance, we don't know yet who won the White House. It, it, that's going to go on for a little bit. But we do know how the big ballot initiatives played out, and many of them are gameable. 
Yep, while last night uh, remains a nail-biter for the Democrats and Republicans, it was a huge victory for the cannabis industry, sports betting, and ride-sharing companies, all of which won major state-level referendums. Referenda? Either way, this was a great night for those three industries with market-moving implications. So why don't we take them group by group, starting with the cannabis cohort. Five states held referendums on weed yesterday, and weed won them all. Honestly, if Trump or Biden had come out in favor of legalization, which is now incredibly popular, I think the presidential race would have been a lot less close. The uh, stoner vote could have put either side on the top. Now, Arizona, New Jersey, and Montana all voted to legalize recreational marijuana. Mississippi uh, just voted to legalize medical marijuana for a wide variety of ailments. South Dakota actually had two separate ballot initiatives. They legalized both medical marijuana and recreational marijuana on the same night. When legalization was only happening in places like Oregon, California, Colorado, you could argue this was a liberal thing. But Montana? South Dakota? I'm calling it. To paraphrase a line from Reagan, the war on drugs is over. Drugs won. However, you might have noticed that some of the highest profile pot stocks got obliterated today. The main marijuana ETF, which aptly trades under the symbol MJ, shed 3% today as the big Canadian producers all got hammered. Tilray down 9%, Aurora down nearly 10%, Crotus down 8%, even Canopy Growth, we talked to Best of Breed, fell 7%. The one exception, Afria, hung in there today, and now it's roaring in after hours trading because the company just announced the acquisition in the United States, which uh, changes the calculus. Still, why the heck are most of these stocks plummeting? When cannabis had a great day at the ballot box yesterday, well, for starters, all the major publicly traded pot stocks are Canadian. It's against federal law to grow marijuana in the United States, which means U.S. growers can't list their stocks in this country. These Canadian growers desperately need federal legislation before they can take the American market by storm. But with Republicans probably holding on to the Senate, that's off the table. Well, who knows, a couple of years. Perversely, there are publicly traded U.S. marijuana growers, but they only trade in Canada. Those all held up much better, though I don't recommend messing around with some foreign listed stocks. Too many complications. So if the Canadian growers don't benefit and the U.S. growers don't trade here, how are you supposed to play all these new states that have legalized weed? Simple. You go with the picks and shovels place, just like Gold Rush. Think of them as the plausible deniability marijuana stocks. They sell things that are incredibly useful to the cannabis industry, but their customers could be using this stuff for anything. Take Kramer Fave Grow Generation, a chain of hydroponic superstores that's growing by leaps and bounds, but by acquisition, management acquires new locations all over the country. Some people call it a roll-up, and that's meant to diminish it. It's an interesting stock. Two days ago, Grow Generation snapped up the third largest chain of hydroponic garden centers, the Grow Biz, grabbing another handful of stores in California and Oregon. This is a rapidly growing industry that's ripe for consolidation. In theory, you could grow all sorts of stuff with hydroponics, but as it happens, it's the main way people grow weed. I think Grow Generation has more room to run. Oh, and speaking of hydroponics, Scott's miracle Grow has a hydroponics division that gave you some terrific numbers this morning, helping propel the stock up 3%, but that is a big company, by the way. Then there's Innovative Industrial Properties. That's a real estate investment trust that leases specialized properties to licensed medical marijuana growers. Even better, this one's got a 3.5% yield. Not bad. Remember, interest rates are very low. I told you to buy both of these stocks on October 20th, roughly two weeks ago, and they each were higher today, especially innovative uh, industrial properties. That was up more than $10. Now, I know most marijuana investors wanted a blue wave, but I'm hoping that the success of these ballot initiatives will finally convince risk-averse lawmakers that legalization is good politics. Earlier this year, 
Illinois became the first state to legalize cannabis by passing law rather than by referendum. Hey, maybe that's how it's going to go from now on. Next up, two years ago, the Supreme Court allowed states to start legalizing sports gambling which was on the ballot in a handful of states. Maryland authorized commercial sports uh, betting, and it should start sometime next year. Louisiana authorized sports betting in 55 out of 64 of its parishes. That's coming later uh, next year or 2022. South Dakota passed a constitutional amendment to allow sports betting in the state's historic gambling district. Deadwood's back. This one isn't as big a deal because it, in person, uh, but worth mentioning because Deadwood was such a great show, frankly. On top of that, Nebraska passed a series of constitutional amendments to legalize, regulate, and tax casino gaming. While this doesn't actually cover sports betting, there is a lot of speculation that it could pave the way for it, especially now that neighboring states are getting in on the action. Now, I want you to put it all together. And this is great news for DraftKings, which sponsors my program, Bull Bull Market Fantasy. Just have to disclose that. Uh, MGM, and remember, they have the Maryland uh, Casino. So that could be very interesting, right? And especially Penn National, which I've been recommending forever, thanks to its tie-up with Barstool Sports. And they're the ones with the best chance to profit from these new states. Now, more importantly, sports betting has gone mainstream. And like cannabis, it's taking the country by storm. Remember, again, a lot of a lot of states want that tax revenue. All right. Uh, Right now, it's going to bookies. You get it. You bring it in you make money. Finally, we need to talk about Proposition 22 in California. Earlier this year, California passed a law that would force gig economy companies like Uber and Lyft to treat their independent contractors as regular employees, meaning they have to be paid better. Maybe get actual benefits. And that's very expensive. It hurts the bottom line. From a labor rights perspective, that sounds pretty good. But there's one little problem. The gig economy business model doesn't work unless the Ubers and Lyfts of the world can pay their drivers as what's known as third-party contractors. The law was an existential threat to vast swaths of Silicon Valley, not just Uber and Lyft. Enter Prop 22, which basically overturns the law and lets these companies keep their old business model with a few alterations. You got guaranteed compensation per mile towards expenses. That's very good. Hey, funding for health benefits if drivers work 15 hours a week. And I thought that was something the least they could do, frankly. Additional protections against discrimination and against sexual harassment. There's still contractors, though. And that's what the ride sharing companies needed in order to keep their business model intact. Silicon Valley went out fighting for this one. They collectively spent something like $200 million campaigning for it. The vote was supposed to be close. But it turns out Californians voted yes by a pretty comfortable margin. And that's why the stocks of Uber, 14% gain, and Lyft, 11% gain, just took off today. It's not just California is a huge market. I think the overwhelming success of Proposition 22 is a warning shot against state and local governments that try to crack down on ride sharing. If politicians want to come for Uber and Lyft, this referendum says that might not be the wisest move. Politically, the bottom line, whatever else happened yesterday, election night was a huge win for cannabis, sports betting and ride sharing industries. You also had some other major referendum wins. Florida's $15 uh, minimum wage mattered a lot. Oregon is criminalizing hard drugs, including heroin and cocaine. Uh, From the stock market perspective, I wasn't sure how to make money from that. But Oregon is really off the grid when it comes to a lot of laws. Uh, It's the first three that really matter for you. It turns out when you let people make policy directly, I think they make smart choices. They bring things out from the shadows and into the public where it can be taxed and 
what's happened is that states that are so strapped, particularly because of COVID, can start making money. I wouldn't be surprised if many other states follow, particularly when it comes to gambling, because you have outfits that are so easy to use and can be taxed that I think a lot of people would like to gamble and a lot of the states need the revenue. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.